Hi guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits of Mitrap Podcast. What's up this week, Mike? Dude, nothing new, nothing new. How about for you? Um, I don't know. Except we got enemy at the gates! Oh, yes, that that is true. <laughs> that is true. We're trying to play it off being all bored and whatnot, but this was a huge week. It was a very huge week. I was excited that uh, we're currently using the uh, Scribed app, and it, it day one, I went. I was like, well, let me just go see if they have it. They're not going to have it. Figuring it's like Redbox, you know, it's gonna, it takes some like time, you know. Boom, right there. I finished my right of the survivor, finished these notes, went right into Enemy of the Gates. It was awesome. Dude. Same here. I was not expecting the audiobook to be ready on day one of the release date on Scribed. Great freaking app. Yeah, so I I reread it three times now, twice with the arc, and I was n- I was expecting to have to wait for my signed hard copy to read it again. And then there it was as an audiobook. So I got to hear some George Goodell on release day. And yeah, I didn't even wait to finish Survivor. I I'm going to be a little confused this podcast because I was reading both at the same time. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, it's it was a great week. I saw Kyle was posting all these pictures of mm-hmm. uh, with, the, with the Enemy of the Gates cover, which is an awesome cover, by the way. Uh, oh, great. Posted on various parts of Spain. I think there was one in like London. I don't know. It, it was all over oh, the place. Oh, the Photoshop. The Photoshops. Yeah, those are pretty I funny. I those. Like on the, um, not the Alhambra. Yeah, it was the Alhambra. It was the Alhambra. Alhambra. Yeah. (laughs) I think someone actually thought it was a real advertisement. And they were like, no way, you're famous in Spain. (laughs) It's like he got someone at Alhambra to perfectly put up these lights that would would put up the drapes. I don't know. Like, that's ridiculous. But yeah. Hey, David Brown's got connections, man. True. The bus gets around. The bus goes international. It's true. Give us a couple of weeks, and we'll be spoiling it. So we'll be here to give you our breakdown. And should we tell the people who we hope to have on to also spoil this book? Uh, Maybe. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking with Kyle this weekend. Yes. That's exciting. I even asked him, I said, hey, we know you're doing the book tour, and it's been awesome. Like, And shout out to Brian. Oh, yes. Did you hear Brian filled in? I did. In? I did. Yeah, last-minute power outage for Ryan Steck, and they, they got Brian Costello, fellow podcaster and Mitch Rapp ambassador, to fill in. Did a great job, but I asked Kyle, I said, hey, you've been talking a lot about and dancing around you know, the fact of the big decisions you made in the book. Can we just, can we just straight up ask you we like, why you made these choices that you did in Enemy at the Gates, and can, can we have a spoiler episode with you? And he was like, let's do it. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you about anything. So we're going to have him on and we're going to pick his brain about the details and the nitty gritty that went into Enemy at the Gates. Uh, super looking forward to that. So Yeah, pumped awesome. for that. That is awesome. Yeah, well, we shouldn't jump ahead because we've got an awesome book to wrap up right now. Chris, tell us what we're covering this episode. All right, so last week we started The Survivor, Kyle's first book, and today we're going to be wrapping that up, and I'll just have to say, Mike, this was a great book. This is a great book. It's, and 
when I was trying to think about the theme, and you know, we talked a little bit last week about this this whole transition period. To me, what really stands out, and you even brought it up, you know, pre, pre in in the pre pub, no pre. Uh, anyways, before we go, before we hit record, the little nuggets right. and one liners and everything that Kyle has put into this just shows what I think it it. What I think the overarching theme here is not so much, yeah, it's a great story and he had to nail that, but also he wanted to go, did the research, and wanted to show he cares about this story. Right. And he wanted to, you know, to people who have stuck from the very beginning, uh, give you these little tidbits and to show that he's going to, he knows the backstory and he's going to take it forward. I I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading way too much into this, but, you know, you've... You you could t- have anyone could come in, and they could have you know all right they read the books I know who this character is I'm gonna write a story about it, but right. then but then to bring up these random nuggets about a girlfriend who you know or like I, I want to meet a girl who doesn't shove an ice pick in my ear and and her weapon of choice, <laughs> like that's a completely throwaway line right but you know he, he didn't tell his own story he he told Vince's story oh exactly exactly. Right, and so many people might not have done that, and maybe didn't have to do that, or would have been like. But he he did it, Vince esque, you know, like Mitch right. Mitch esque, you know, like Mitch Light essentially. Right. This is a Vince Flynn story written by Kyle Mills, absolutely to a T. Like, I I can't, you know, uh, and then I think like this allows him, gives him the credibility to then go on. And I think we're going to touch on this in the next couple of books to begin to do his own thing, right? You know, right? He's earning that. He's, that right. You know, that he's right. earning our our attention, and we as the readers, thankfully, at, definitely in order to kill, but even beyond into Red War, Kyle basically earned our trust, mm-hmm. and now he's got a, his real own stamp. And voice coming through, particularly in Lethal Agent through Total Power and Enemy at the Gates, that he's earned. You sure. know, four, five, four or five books that were just straight up Vince Flynn style, very Flynnian. Um, he's kind of earned the right to take the story his own way. And I think he does that in Enemy, but we'll, we'll that's for another week. And I'll argue that if people thought when this came out they were disappointed, they shouldn't have been. The survivor, yeah, yeah, no way. They, they should not have been like absolutely not. Uh, if you actually it sit was down and look at it, it's a very Vince Flynn book. Absolutely, absolutely. Like you said, those nuggets. I mean, this is the twenty-piece McNugget like <laughs> meal. This is the this is the value meal right here. We're getting so much. It's just it's jam packed. And I was gonna propose, Chris. I definitely want to cover the plot sure. and the progression of There's the story for sure. But I think I, I'm just even more excited just to to kind of list out th- these amazing drops that Kyle gives us. I mean, And it picks up right where we left off with a dead Stan Hurley. Right. But even with Stan's body in this house in Switzerland, the boys got to get out. They've got to get to safety. They're still battling a couple of tangos. And like... Holy shit! Rap gets a Gatling gun. That was that was a pretty sick with the with the iPad and he's got with the iPad. It. He spins the Gatling gun around to take out these dudes. 
That's like some Call of Duty type shit. Right. And then he pushes like a chest down the stairs to like crash into this guy or something. And then there's no way he's leaving without Stan. And the guys have like a four or five mile hike like through the woods to their um, extraction point. And he carries Stan and doesn't let anybody else carry him. Like it's Mitch's duty to get Stan out of that battle and to safety. He's he's going to bring Stan home. He doesn't even let anybody else give him a break. And so I also couldn't help thinking of like tying in, speaking of tying in previous novels, what was the main theme of Transfer of Power? With, with well, like not, not the main theme, but one of the themes with, with Mitch. He keeps on saying, I got to get out. Like I want to get out. It's, yeah. I want to get out. And my time is up. You know, that was what? How many books in are we? And right. that, that was the first Mitch rap book. <laughs> and now, Crazy. now we're here, and he's thinking, "I don't want that to be me." Right. Is 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 that what you know? Is someone younger than me going to be carrying me over their you know over their shoulder right. when when I'm seventy and, and an op goes bad or you know something happens? Yeah, I just just tying that in with with this you know sort of duality between Stan and him. Uh, and how he doesn't want that to be a duality, you know? <laughs> yep. And then, yes, yeah, so you marry that that talk right off the, the bat with Transfer of Power, Mitch. But then you tie that together with the American assassin, Killshot Mitch, and the complexity of his relationship right. with Stan. And it's all kind of coming to a head. Like you said, the last man into the survivor is a total new chapter beginning for Mitch. Almost like almost a midlife crisis Mitch. Which is going to give some license uh, and leverage for his character to to breathe. And we see Kyle, you know, allowing Mitch to breathe. He makes him more funny and humorous, l- a little less dark and brooding. Or maybe humorous through his darkness and his brooding. <laughs> yeah. He finds humor in, in, in things through it. And, and then at the same time, becoming a family man. And we're going to have to talk about Claudia and Anna because Mitch does have an encounter with them later in the book. But I have a quote about exactly what you said, Rap worrying about his future and if he'll end up like a Stan. And I, and I think Kyle nails this. He writes, Rap's love-hate relationship with the old man had started out more hate-hate. He could still remember saying that he'd rather put a gun in his mouth if he ever found himself turning into Stan Hurley. Yet here he was, living alone in a crap apartment near D.C., smoking and drinking too much in an effort to mask the rage lurking below the surface. The old man was dead. Anna was dead. Gould was dead. His past felt like it had suddenly been stripped away. The question was, what was he going to do about it? Would he allow himself to become even more disconnected? To lose even more of who he was? Or would he hit the reset button? At 44, there could be a lot of years left. This is one of the very few times we get the actual age. Like, not forties, right. late forties, you know, pushing fifty. Right. He is so he's. It's like a midlife crisis. He is forty-four here. here, so that puts Scott. So if Scott's almost fifty, like forty-eight. Scott's like four right. or five, four or five years older than him. Yeah, I think that's what about where I think I would have pegged it. He likes ribbing with Scott, calling him the <laughs> man. And yeah, so, I mean, this is. I think you know. I feel for rap thinking about this because, you know, what what else could he do? Especially after he lost Anna. The only person he really has in his life is Irene now. You know, he lo- he lost Thomas. 
He he lost. Now he's lost Hurley. Right. You know, every single fling that he's had, you know, we haven't really had any sort of connection. Claudio will become the, besides Anna, I guess, the only other. Yeah. And I'm, I much prefer the Claudia-Mitch relationship as than the Anna-Mitch relationship. She's way less oh, of yeah. a whiny bitch, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, well, Kyle writes females better. Kyle writes females way better, I think. Yes, the only the only counter to that is Vince created Irene. True. So overall, no, yes, yeah, but that's Kyle the problem, writes, right? Is that I, Irene is a female, right. <laughs> and she's an amazing character. Like Irene wins any day when you talk female characters in this universe, and Vince created her. But Kyle writes Mitch's girlfriends and relationships yeah. with women way better, for sure. Like hands down, that's a Kyleism. That right is there. a Kyleism. Yes. I, speaking of Kyleism, I have another Kyleism, which does kind of tie into Claudia. Okay. So, remember we were doing The Last Man, and I was kind of shocked, and I think you were too, that we never saw Mick Reavers and Joe Maslick operate together until that final battle where, where Reavers dies. Mm-hmm. And it made me think, we don't really see these operations as a team and as a crew with this outside logistics person running the show and Kyle right here in his first action scene or one of his first major action scenes is writing the entire crew from Wick to Maz to this Bruno McGraw that he, he's created to rap to Hurley to Gould all together in an op and a logistics lady. Did Maria. you hear this Maria Glauser? Yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah. And Rap says a bunch of times, like, yo, I'm going to have to use her because she sends them the FedEx van for the Xfil, and they take Stan's body in a duffel bag. And like they each the have FedEx these, guys. like, bags that are, like, labeled with their names. And, they, you know, one right. has, like, a, a suit for Mitch, like, has running clothes for Wickers, and he's going to go run another 10 miles, like. 15 miles, <laughs> yeah. Like, and it was, like, in some river. Yeah, it was, like, these she's bags were floating in a river, and they picked them up. So let me ask you. I think the first Kyleism, he likes these group scenes. Yeah, he writes these group scenes pretty well. Really well, the whole group working together with a logistics person giving them intel. Do you think Maria Glauser was his first draft of what Claudia would become? And he realized, you don't need this Maria lady because Mm -hmm. Claudia ran that for Gould? And like at the same time, like, do you think the seeds were planted here? for the role he's going to give to Claudia moving forward. Uh, maybe I think you also you you just go back and you know read consent to kill and look at her um you know what she did and mm-hmm. besides being Gould's girlfriend and baby mama uh she was her the, the operations the logistics person so I think like take building on that and then also seeing like Oh, there's this hole, and it's definitely something that he likes to write. You know, like Vince used to like to write these these huge battles. Like I just think back to like all the helicopter scenes, and yeah, uh, you know, like the action scenes that like Kyle writes those things differently. You know, very um, different. Yeah. But we'll we'll even go into what is it, Enemy of the State, where Mitch has to make his own team, like this ragtag team of ex assassins down in Africa. Like Kyle likes you know, 
and think about Lethal Agent and like when he brings all those people in, like when they're going through the Mexico, end. the chase uh, scene, yep. yeah, and I guess a little bit of the same in Total Power with like the teams that are going through the city in the blackout, you know, trying to get mm-hmm. people. Yeah, it's interesting now that we're finally comparing these two authors throughout the series. You can definitely pick out what they prefer to write about or what they excel at writing, you know. Because when Vince would write a scene like that, it wasn't necessarily Rap's team doing those things with him. It might have been a random military unit he was attached with. Or it was Scott Coleman in Term Limits doing the scene with the choppers as kind of a lone wolf setting these, you know, radio um, interference signals and the fireworks at the bridge to throw off the choppers. Like is rap becoming less of the lone wolf kind of guy and instead more likely to embed himself with Scott and his men when they're on ops, like especially with Stan gone and eventually having Claudia on overwatch and having this Maria lady here now, Rap's doing a bit more as a team player, if you will. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity just to, while calling back, like this novel allowed him to call back all of these previous characters, like Stan. They touch on, like they mentioned Stanfield, you know, sort of acknowledging the past. And then he goes, the next, like right after they get out, he goes to Greece and we see Claudia right. and Anna again. And it's like now reintroducing them in our mind to like, oh shit, we haven't seen these characters since Consent to, Ki- Consent to Kill. Consent to Kill, yeah. Um, and he could easily bring these people back into back into the fold, you know? Because he, he said he didn't know if he was going to get another, like, like was it a two-book deal or was it a one-book deal? I forget. We no, asked him. I, I... I think the first one it was, was just a one. one book. It was just one. I book, really right? think it was one. Yeah, they wanted to see how it went. This book is almost so good for what it had to do. You could have given him a blank check on the spot after <laughs> writing this one. Like, I don't. What he get a three book or a two book deal after writing this one? He said like this two. last one was the first time he got a, like a three book deal. So. A three, so he got a two book deal. I mean, he's he's definitely earning that plus more. <laughs> And anyone who says otherwise about this book is, I'm sorry, you're flat out wrong. Mm. Kyle did everything right that he was charged with. And I'm just, you're right. Look at this Claudia and Anna scene. Mitch gets out of the Switzerland battle and immediately goes, thinking back to Consent to Kill, he has a responsibility to make sure Claudia and Anna are okay. It it reminded me, sorry, it it reminded Mm -hmm. me almost... Like, it brought me back to the consent to kill scene when he's, like, they're in a tropical area, like, and he goes to see, you know, goes to kill them. Like, right, Tahiti. It's, it's complete parallels, you know, like, yep. complete parallels here. So, so you remember what we called the episode for part two of Consent to Kill? I forget. He named her Anna. Mm, yes. And you know the first thing Mitch says when seven-year-old Anna comes up while he's talking to Claudia? He says... You must be Anna. Right. And that line, to me, resonated so deeply because you you recall what I thought about uh, he named her Anna and the, the epilogue of Consent to Kill. And Mitch and Anna hit it off. She is like, they have this uh, this guard watching them, Ben, and she's all like, okay, bye-bye. I'm going to go talk to Ben about a castle or something. And... Then she's like the teeth on the top of the castle. 
And Mitch goes, you mean Merlin's? And she's like, what? And he goes, Merlin's are the teeth, the, the spikes at the top of the castle, and Krennel's are the spaces between them. And Anna's like, are you making that up? How do you know that? I'm going to go ask Ben. And just, it's so playful and so innocent. And here's Rap right after the Hurley op, which he feels responsible for. Having that back and forth with this seven-year-old girl whose father he practically just killed, even though he didn't kill her. Oh, can you imagine? Rap leaving the kill to Hurley and not finishing off Gould, he doesn't have to lie to Anna and Claudia. Because mm. Claudia asks, did you kill him? And he says, and he says no. No, he didn't kill him. <laughs> and even when Anna, later in life, should their fates intertwine, which we know they will, Anna, he doesn't have to tell her, I killed your father. Right, no, because he didn't. <laughs> he doesn't have to tell her that. There's not like this... Uh... You know, secret. That's like that. That's like you know, CW bullshit. That you know, we don't. Right. We don't need that. Right. Yo, the follow up though to that little Merlins and Krennels, uh The 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 thing was, Anna goes, "How do you know that?" And then Kyle writes, "The sad truth was that it was because he was an encyclopedia with only one chapter, things that could be used for war." That's awesome. I, I... Another nugget right there. This could, this could, you know, this chapter doesn't have to be there, but I think by by being there, it it serves a purpose, um, right? And you know, brings them back into our minds, closes that chapter with Gould, you know, and then acts as a springboard going forward for what Claudia and Anna and and Mitch will have, you know, yeah. the next what six books. So, yeah, you could have. Also, just that could have been it, right? Like Mitch took responsibility. Yeah, we we could have never seen them ever again. Close the arc, right? And you you could actually um, applaud Mitch for that if that's the case. And he never sees them again, but he makes sure they're financially stable. He makes sure they have protection, and he makes sure Anna has a future. Knowing who her father was for her to have a future is is pretty big, right? Um, her father, the most second we hear second or third best assassin in the world and his little girl is going to be safe and it's all thanks to mitch and he could say job well done move on but no their their futures are intertwined yep well the leaks keep coming joe rickman is still from the grave fucking shit up (laughs) yeah so the next section of this book right is is this these series of you know like freaking Mitch is going everywhere. He's going to Greece, then he goes to London, then he goes to Rome, and then he gets to go to. Then he was already in Istanbul, like. Right. But and then Russia in the end. Yeah, and then in Russia in the end, and so all these little leaks. This um the the London one was interesting, where you know he outs this Pakistani uh, ambassador, right? It was the ambassador to Pakistan, the Iranian ambassador, because Joe Rickman wants to start a U.S.-Iran scuffle because right. that's part of Alexander's administration right. to kind of have detente with the Iranians. The the plan... Oh, and there's another yeah. nugget later. Should I bring that up now? Like, just... No, I'll, I'll save it for later. But uh, Rick's plan is perfect. It's perfect. The one thing, we never find out how he knew all this information. Right. I I really wanted that. That's the one thing I I left this novel wanting. 
I think you're right. How did he beat Irene? Because that's not satisfying enough just to say, oh, well, he's smart, so he, he did he's it. He's smart. He's good. Yeah. You Who'd know? he turn? Yeah, he would have. That's that close. He would have had to have turned somebody, because it doesn't seem like he's that much of a computer. He's not like a Marcus, because Marcus would have would have found him. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great question. So, anyways, yeah, we, we get this cool scene in London, and he keeps changing it up, like giving him enough time to potentially get get the asset out and, and so that way they look like a fool you know maybe you know they get caught trying to get the asset out or not enough time to get the asset out like in this case right. where they he they drops drops the video and and I, the Iranians come and get him real quick and and Mitch Mitch comes to London and and, and just one he first of all he hates London cuz it's, it's like too full, late. Of, full of CCV, CCTV cameras right. and uh and he's too late so made me think like we don't see Mitch lose very often. No. And we know Kyle wanted to play with that in total power. This was kind of a, a loss, a small loss where Rap couldn't get there in time. And he even screams at Irene on the phone. He's like, we can't just keep chasing ghosts. Like, we're behind the eight ball. They have the upper hand, whoever they is, working with Rickman now, releasing these files. And we're just chasing our tail. Like, And then he's going to go to Rome and try to strong arm these lawyers uh, who worked for the firm that Isabella Corso, who was the lawyer releasing uh, the files or had the schedule for release of the files. He's got a strong arm then, but he, it made me think of Fred Burton. Mm. When we talked to Fred Burton and how he chased guys like Ramsey Youssef and started the Rewards for Justice program, he kind of knew the FBI can't just go pinging around the globe place to place collecting information it's not proactive enough, you know? It's so reactive that we can't just be reacting to whatever happens. We have to have some sort of proactive stance. And Rewards for Justice was that because it encouraged people to provide tips and clues before events happened so we didn't just, you know, have to go chasing. I kind of feel like that's what rap is demanding of Irene and the CIA. Well, and, you know, they have to... The only reason they get to go to Rome is because they called in the NSA, and the NSA is pulling right. in all this information, most of it crap. And it, like, when I'm reading this scene between Mike and you know when he gets to Rome, and between Mike Nash and, and Mitch, he's like, "Why am I here?" He's yeah. like, "Oh, this lawyer died. Guy swerved out of his lane. He's Pakistani." And it's like that. Yeah. That's all you got. Like, it's pretty thin. Super thin, like this. I guess, like they would have said, this would have been the kind of lawyer that would have done it. But like, really, like they would have sent Mitch for this. Like, right? I don't know. It seemed way too book convenient, you know. Like, I'm like a MacGuffin right here, but I don't know. Or does it show they are truly that desperate? Lost, yeah, where that is their best lead. Like, you would send Mitch if it's all you have and it's the best you have because there's nothing else for him to do. Right. It shows you're you're pretty desperate. It's like that. I, I keep on remember one of the most powerful scenes in in Total Power is when Mitch just goes home, like right, and he's like, yeah. "Call me when you find somebody because there's nothing no, I can do." Call me when you have somebody. Yes, to kill. yes, exactly. Call me when you have somebody yeah. to kill because that's true. That's what I'm good at. That's, that's true. That scene just pops up in my head every now and then. I just think of it like that's it's so true because he's not a tech guy. He's He's not like the kind of guy that would stay there and 
you know, help you know. organize things, you know. <laughs> he it also shows his I don't want to call it maturity, but his 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 growth in that he's not just going to be so impatient, you know, rocking on his heels, being like, I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna get these fuckers. By total power, he's a little older and he's like, not my lane. Like, you have the resources to do that kind of shit, and I'll just be your guy once you have a name and he's not just going to be this take it upon himself go fly around the world knock heads together and get the job done he realizes in the state of chaos that is total power that ain't gonna happen and it's kind of uh, a new side of mitch for him to say leave me out of this and then i'll just come in and do the dirty work when right. you got something right 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 you know there's one other while we wrap it up the leaks that is freaking awesome. This dude, Hotaki. Oh, yeah. That was a pretty cool. Like, Yo. again, like, you, you didn't need these chapters, but having no, him there was, was, was amazing, you know? Yeah. It was, I almost was about to be like, oh, my God, who is this? Some dude in Afghanistan. But it was so awesome that it worked. And then the other thing about it is Irene's read on the situation. Because Mitch is like, we got to get him out. We got to get him out. I've actually never heard. So, by the way, Hotaki was uh, an Afghan who fought with us, who Mitch spent lots of time on the ground with so in Afghanistan Stan. fighting the Taliban. And they had a really close working professional relationship. He was one of our top contacts on the ground in Afghanistan against the Taliban. And he didn't want to come to America. He didn't want citizenship. He didn't want money. He just wanted a free Afghanistan. He just wanted to fight for his country. He wanted to kill the people that like, killed his family. Right. Yeah. He wanted revenge because they killed his family. And Mitch is like, we got to get you out. Your name's blown. Your cover's blown. He gives them the secret keyword. And I've never heard Mitch this, at least in George Goodell's version of it, Mitch this desperate, this anxious because it's his friend and he fought with him. And he's like, get to this spot. We'll extract you. We'll resettle you in America. And Hotaki George Goodell nails. He's like, oh, Mitch, no, 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 no. Would you ever want to be resettled in a European country if your government was taken over by terrorists? Would you just want to get out and go live in, you know, Norway? No, I'm I'm here. I'm going to fight till the very end. And Mitch is like, no, get out. Get out. Irene's going to send somebody. And Hotaki's like, bye, Mitch. I got to do what I got to do. And he takes his desert eagle that Stan Hurley gave him. And he just goes guns blazing, throwing grenades at dudes, driving his truck into guys, taking a Coke bottle, I think, and stabbing somebody. Oh, he was just fighting to the death. I, I'm I'm glad you brought up that scene because when I was listening to it, that's probably one of the best voice act acted scene that George Guidel has done. Because so. you get this like super anxiety and it's very not rap, like, not. but he's he's so desperate. And this other guy, you, you can just, you know, see it in like a movie where this guy's, he's so chill because he he knows what Mitch is going through, but he's like, no, that that's not me, man. Like, yeah. I've been blown, but I'm fine. Like, I've come to peace that I was going to die a long time ago, you know, doing this. Right. It's just how many of those fuckers I take out with me, right? Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, Guadella nails that scene. Oh, nails yeah. it. And you're right. It, it's it's essentially a throwaway. You, you, you could have just said, it. "Oh, you know, oh, this asset was blown." 
Right. It's like, oh, we should, we should get him out. Like, uh, we can't, you know? Yeah. He, he does two chapters there. Two chapters. Right. And they're out of the blue. Yeah. There's one other tie-in, though. And the, the other tie-in is that Irene reads the situation as, this is the first one of Rickman's leaks that's really personal to Mitch. Right, right, right. And right. Irene's like, you can't go over there. You can't go save your friend. Slow down, because you know what Rickman's doing. He's playing you. He released Otaki, a low-level nobody in Afghanistan. He, There's no reason for him to release that. It doesn't hurt America. All it hurts is your is ego. Yeah. It, yeah. All it hurts is you and your friendship. He's Rickman's just trying to play you by releasing Hotaki's name. And so it shows Rickman's plan was even better than we even thought in the first place with that angle of it. Yeah, because you know that list, right? That Irene writes down, writes, which, right. <laughs> that list is... And she ranks them. It's funny. She even mentions, I think she puts it in like a stage six or like a level six shredder at the end. Like that's such an important yep. document that needs to be getting rid of. Uh, all the names of all the assets that she thinks, you know, that would, you know, she might even write down all of her assets. But she ranks them how, by two categories, how important they are, but also how likely, likely it is that Rickman would have known about them. And then, like, adding the two numbers or multiplying, what it comes up with this this pretty interesting system of, like, you know, the highest numbers are ones that we should definitely get out. The lowest ones are, but then, like like you said, Hitaki's is at the very bottom. Nobody. Where Rick would know him, most likely know him, and, and not that important. He, well, Rick was his handler, right? Like, so. Yeah. But it's just a toy with Mitch. Yeah. Yeah, and it works because, like, it works so well that you and I both noticed George Goodell totally going to another level in how he does Mitch and his voice, and how he does Hotaki and his uh, attitude. And it's just so it's such a discrepancy between the two. Did you listen to the interview with him after the book? No, no. I oh my! Oh, I got to go back to that on on Scribed. It had an interview with him. And he talks about voice acting, and you know, it was a pretty cool, you know, like 10, 8, 10 minute interview with him. Um, oh, I gotta check that out. Yeah, he's he's a G. He's a fucking G. Yeah, and if if, oh, you, yeah. if you can't listen to it, and they now have an hour and thirty minute clip, like preview of enemy of the enemy of the, at the gates, right? That people for can free. listen for free. That people can listen to. And I believe it's the prologue in chapter one and two. So it's the very beginning of the yeah, book. The first three chapters of the book are very long. Yeah. You know what? Much longer than like than you about that. Then we'll we'll get to that. But much longer when than what yeah, yeah. Uh, Kyle's typically does. So yeah, they they were long scenes. Not yeah. and and again, the Flinian thing is these kind of staccato short scenes that jump back and forth that didn't happen in in much of Enemy at the Gates. I, I look at um like this book right on Survivor on the Survivor on Scribed. Most of the chapters are five, eight minutes. Every now and then you get like a 12, 13. There's only one time where there's a cha- there's a where there's a twenty minute chapter, but the rest of of the chapters are fifteen and under, and, and most of them are like around you know, that ten to twelve minute mark. You yeah, know? so pretty pretty quick. And there's a lot, you know, decent amount of chapters. You got sixty two chapters um, with a prologue and and, a, and an epilogue. But anyways, let's jump to this. You know, we have all these uh, leaks. This is all leading up to, uh, you know, uh, we don't have to really go into much. Uh, while this is all going on, just to say, Taj 
we're finding out that he's, you know, this great mastermind that we did not see in the last book, planning this assassination to the Iranian or the Pakistani president, sorry. And, you know, that's going to be come to an head in a little bit. But then eventually, you know, they're, they get the information from the Roman lawyer. They get the files. They can't access the files. Right. And at the same time, Marcus and Irene realize, all right, well, if they have this information, how many, you know, how, how long will it take them to be able to find the person to, to access this information? To and get the encryption key. Yeah. And yeah. essentially we need to figure out how to go get it faster. And Marcus comes up with this great plan, Marcus to the rescue. And yeah. then, then we get to see Marcus in the field right after that. I, I, Marcus in the field. I, yep. I, I thought that was great. Yep. Uh, sending essentially this phishing letter, phishing email to yep. get someone to reply to him. And, and, he, and I guess the idiot, you know, does it. But um, yeah. yeah and was, they find out there's this uh, company in Russia, which is going to be probably, I think we have two major scenes left. The Russia scene, mm-hmm. and then kind of the race to the finish line. This very Flynnian kind of the last very fifty fast. pages just pick up very fast, and that's going to be the dinner, the state dinner in Pakistan. Very fast. Um, yeah, but you're right. Uh, Marcus Marcus uh, has this phishing email that goes out, and they're able to find out the dudes who are decrypting these files and releasing them at the lawyers uh, on the lawyer schedule is out is out in Russia. But Rap is still in Rome, and before he leaves Rome, he does some reminiscing over a former girlfriend. Oh, yes, yes. Since we hinted at it, I got to give the quote. You, you know I got the quotes ready. Right. And I think give it to me. This, this might have been the number one quote I highlighted that I wanted to read out on the podcast. I texted you as soon as I read it. Yep. I was like, you got that, you, you got that drop, didn't you? I was like, he's like, yeah, of course I did. Yeah, I think you were like, the ice pick! <laughs> Exclamation points. Yeah, so here, here's the Donatella uh, name drop. Italy had always felt like a second home. He spent many happy, if infuriating, months living there with a fashion designer who had a way with ice picks. he never been able to sleep well lying next to her. There was no question that there was a price at which she would turn that ice pick on him. A high price, to be sure. But he still found himself habitually searching the bed for hidden weapons while they were having sex. <laughs> so it's, again, it's like calling back these characters, right? And then allowing them, he, he doesn't have to use her in the future, but he no. does heavily. Like, yep. she's in the next, like, three books, I yep. want to say, or at least two of them, right? Yep, but it's not, it's just... He even brings up the ice pick when she went to Peter Cameron, yes. the professor's office, and she killed him with an ice pick as Mitch and Scott are coming down the hallway. Like, it's that level of, and he doesn't even say Donatella's name no, he, now he, that I he think about it. Doesn't say her name. Just hints at it to kind of lets us, these kind of more hardcore fans and readers, go nuts over that line. And if you don't really know what he's talking about, it's just it's a cool, still an interesting it's a, it's a story. cool little fact. Yeah, it's, it's a it's cool, cool little cool fact. Cool tidbit. Yeah, love it. Yeah, and again, the the research. You know, I feel like, and then like what what, what we were just saying about Marcus showcasing him. We haven't seen Marcus that often. Like he he gets name dropped here or there. He has a huge part in this in this book. You know. Yeah, he does. Especially now when they go to Russia to right. to hunt down for the key. 
Did uh Kyle did did sorry did Vince ever put him in the field? So transfer of power, he was out in the van mm, that the was van. outside right. the the gates. Right. Um. All right. What else has Marcus done? Like to be honest with you, like what other big things has he done? I'm trying to like that's what I'm trying to think of. Like besides just being you know the tech guy to, that does stuff. Oh, he like but he was someone with the money. The money. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to track the money for something. The banks get, get into when, the banks. When rap sends Wicker and somebody else into the banks in act of treason. Act of treason because there's that Russian guy. Remember that Russian like twenty year old who's a millionaire. I think Marcus is moving around or playing with his money. Yeah, I mean it's all about money and, and like banks. That's, right. That, well, that's how he got brought in. Exactly. Like, Messing with the banks, and then Stephen Rapp knew him because he was also, you know, a genius. Or he's often flying a drone for them, like gathering yeah, information, like you know, that kind of stuff. Like he's re- referenced with that. Was it this book he was doing the 3D printing? That was or, this book. That's not enemy. That okay, because I'm, I'm reading them at the same time. That was yeah, this yeah. book. That was pretty cool. You know, one other thing he does, he was. Would you call it in the field? I, it was early on. I want to say third option. He's riding in a van with Mitch because he's got to give him some like he's he's cracking someone's email or something like that or pinging uh, cell phone towers. It's not quite in the field because it's not like a shootout kind of operation, but he's riding in a car with them and he has to give them like live intel as they're mm. riding around. But yeah, that was third option. So it's still many many moons ago well this is the first time i think we we see his life be potentially in danger right <laughs> you know and how he responds and how he's shaking just, in his boots oh my god he gets it. mitch mitch <laughs> he like falls over and he's like in the snow trying to climb out of the snow but it just like buries him even further like yeah was and so, mitch leaves him i was cracking up M- mitch is like stay here don't move and he's like here in the middle of the woods <laughs> What if you don't come back? And George Goodell nails that voice as well. He does a very good Marcus, but even better, a nervous Marcus. And what does Mitch say to him? He's honest. I think he says internally, he's like, I, I don't want to be rude to him, but I got to tell him the truth. He's like, honestly, if I don't come back, you're probably going to die. And then he just ski- and then he just skis off. Like, and dead, then he just like leaves. Deadpan yep. says, if I don't come back, you're going to die. And then he just skis yep. off. Yep. Yeah, funny. this scene was okay, pretty good from here on out. They just kind of they kind of save these villagers in the commune. They have to pose as the guards because the Pakistani dude who's captured the hacker and is like making him send him the encryption file, he looks out the window and he wants to see his guards still lined up with the soldiers. So it's like Scott plays the role of one of the guards cuz they're wearing the same parka. Made me think of that scene in The Patriot. Remember The Patriot? Yeah. When he when Mel Gibson rides up to meet with the general and he's like, look out in the field. He's like, my men have your men. And it's really just dummies wearing their uniforms. But I guess the thing of consequence here is before rap arrives a split second before Gudai, the Pakistani working for Taj is able to send Taj the encryption key. Right. And Taj has all the files and it turns out more files than Mitch and Irene thought was worst case scenario like 200 something right and what did you think of the scene i guess like Gadai had to go one extra step to get to this he had to find like the 
Is he not as good as Marcus? He had to find the person hosting the website, go right there, kill everybody there, and then come that here. That was a throwaway. That it seemed super gruesome and like mm-hmm. not just not needed. I don't know. Like there, there are some chapters here at the end that that that's why this book I don't think is top five for me. I agree. There's because there's a little bit at the end. It kind of goes off the rails. Yeah, I and agree. gets very fast. Right. Um. So yeah, and then then this the scene at the commune, uh, like you said, it it's sort of just yeah. I don't know, it's not what I wanted. But then I will say it does it, it recovers with the dinner scene, like right, like that's that's what saves it almost. Like I think if you don't have that good ending, then then the book might have you know just been okay. Yep. Let's say the Russia thing was the ending. I think the book would have fallen pretty flat. Oh, like if Mitch, if Mitch stops him right there. Yeah, Mitch is like, oh, he's on the computer. He's about to give him the key. Shoot him in the head. Oh, we, he didn't get the key out. The Rickman files are safe. Like, I would have been like, okay. Yeah, no, that doesn't play. That doesn't play at all. Yeah, th- so this little connecting story of Russia and getting the encryption key and all that is like, eh. Hey, here's the thing, though, because Kennedy has a scene thrown in here as well that I don't think is fluff. Before we get to the restaurant scene, she has to meet with President Alexander. Mm. Yes. And she's nervous. And before Mitch goes on this op, she wants his opinion. And this is super interesting that she wants Mitch's opinion on if he's going to be okay with her choice as a replacement should she be asked to resign? And she says, Mike Nash, I would suggest Mike Nash temporarily take the helm if I have to resign because of this. And she wants to make sure Mitch is okay not working with him because Mitch says, yeah, I'll work with him. Mitch, uh, Irene goes, no, you'd be working for him. Yeah, she's very and adamant Mitch about eventually, that. Yeah, very adamant. And Mitch eventually says, fine. I'll work for him. <laughs> yeah. But, he says, I might have to knock him on his ass a couple of times, which he's already done. A couple of times, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought this scene with, um, and then, I guess, like, that, that scene was really good. But then the follow-up scene where she's in the White House, you know, they're discussing, I think, like, the beginning of the scene, Ferris is there as well as we see Lonsdale make Lonsdale makes a comeback. Lonsdale, yeah, she's on their side, and you know what book was that? Kyle turned her. Uh, before before active, whenever the the explosions go off, oh, the Hawk extreme, and Dove. extreme measures, yeah, because Rap saves her in extreme measures right. in the CTC. Yep. Exactly, yep, that's right. You know, another callback, doing his research, and then it, like. After they leave, the president's like, all right, you see this You're letter? Saying- he, like, had it out. And yeah. then, then he takes it and puts it back in the drawer and says, I'm not going to accept this today, but I don't want you to solve this tomorrow. I don't want you to solve uh, for, I don't want to solve this next week. I don't want you to solve this tomorrow. I want you to solve this problem now. <laughs> yep. And listen to this line. I forgot I had a quote from this scene. Which is very resonant. Uh, it, it's very resonant for today. It's rap musing on his thoughts on if Alexander decided to sack Irene, 
And he says, quote, putting Irene Kennedy out on the street with everything that was going on would be unimaginably stupid. The problem was that unimaginably stupid had become a job requirement in Washington. Yeah. W- yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously. I was going to ask you about this. We haven't really seen Alexander that much, you know? No. No, you're right. What did you we think s- about it? We saw him a lot. In his, the beginning, obviously, like his introduction, his wife, uh, the cheating whore, <laughs> uh, treason, yeah. Uh, yeah. gets um, was that, was that treason? That was act of treason. She gets uh, blown she up. gets blown up while he's a candidate still, right? And then he wins, and then mm-hmm. you know we see him a little bit here and there, but I don't even think he was in the last man. Maybe like the Alexander administration, but you know, not much. But then Kyle uses him quite a bit. In the coming well, novels. The Last Man. The Last Man, we were kind of set up to maybe, as a reader, not be on Alexander's side, the way he's going full force on the reintegration plan, mm. which Vince very much had strong opinions about, and how he was letting the State Department run the rebuilding in Afghanistan after the war. And right. I kind of feel like we were set up to not really think Alexander had a good grasp on foreign relations. Yeah, I guess we were never we never saw him, but we know he's no, the president. Tangentially. tangentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. The State Department, yeah. The way he empowered the the State Department lady to right. run the show. Although Sonny Wicca Sonny Wicca is still around, the Secretary of State, because she's the one going to Pakistan for the state dinner with President Jutani. Right. But what do you think of like Kyle likes to use the president and he becomes yeah, he pretty prevalent in the next you know, all the way up until Total Power, where he's a, a pretty big figure in that. Um, so, yeah, it's, again, another callback, bringing back this character, bringing him back to our foremind, and I'm going to use him in the... I could potentially use him again in the future. Right. Dude, speaking of character callbacks, we've had Donatello, we've had Anna and Claudia, we've had Barbara Lonsdale, who is running the show in Pakistan at the state dinner because rap even driving to the palace has no idea how he's going to get in. Right. Now that this Gudai or the other guy he captured, one of the Pakistanis he captured. Gudai. Gudai. It was Gudai tells him on the plane because rap offers asylum essentially said, or no, he doesn't offer asylum. He says, if you don't show up, Gudai, the Pakistanis are going to go after your family because they'll want every scrap of information about where you are and what you did and, and who you are, if you were good or bad. And you know what they're going to do with your family. But if I send your body back, they'll have some answers. You'll still look like a good guy. It will just look like something happened to you. And therefore, they won't investigate your family uh, because you'll have been a patriot. You're Taj's right-hand man. And now that you're dead, they have no reason to suspect your family. But if I don't send your body back, your family's going to be suspicious. And right. so Kadai decides to talk to save his family, even though he knows he can't save himself. And that leads Rap to to know President Chitani is the target at the state dinner, and it's going to be the chef who poisons his food. And Rap, he's got to get inside. He's he's got to stop this, or well, he doesn't care to stop it. He wants to to play it. He wants to play the game. And so if he just calls security and says there's going to be an assassination, shut it down. Taj still gets the files. So Rap's got to be smarter. His goal is not to save Jutani. 
His goal is to stop Taj take from him out. spreading the files. Exactly. He's got to take out Taj. Well, he gets a break when Kennedy tells him on his way to the presidential palace while he's already in Pakistan, oh, Jack Warch is uh, running the show. He's been hired by a private security firm to work with the Secret Service over there. And fucking fat Jack Warch is back, baby. <laughs> yeah, and he obviously he owes Mitch his life, so that's his end. And all of this is on, Mitch is taking a hunch, right? He mentions, he knows, or he they think they're, him and Irene are starting to figure out Taj. And they know that all this information and what he wants to do with it, they're gambling on the fact that he wouldn't have told anybody, right? Right. That he, what he wants to do with it, you know, he's not giving it to a bunch of analysts to, to, to mine over. He is... They're gambling that he's personally looking at it himself. Him and Gadai, obviously. Uh, Gadai's taken out. And now he'd be the the last straw that they need to take out or get rid of in order to stop the, the leaks from coming. Yep. Yeah, and then and we see Jack Warch coming back into our life after a very long time. And it was funny. I think in the beginning, he, you know, he's like, he's pressuring Mitch, pressuring Mitch. And then eventually... He, he gives him a, an ID badge, you know, so Mitch realizes, all right, he was just doing this because it's me, but the whole time he was going to let me do it, he was going to get me in. He even like- going to let him in. He even placed all of like the Pakistanis that he had a, a relationship with- a rapport at, with, yeah. At the guard site so they wouldn't question Mitch when he came in, like, so, you to know- get into the kitchen. He had a guy on the inside and even though it looked like he wasn't going to give up, he, he, he did. And they couldn't let Scott in. Because <laughs> Warch said he's got no blonde hair, blue eyes, Secret Service agents, and he wouldn't blend in. Uh, this scene just escalates so quickly from Rap taking the chef, and the chef is like a freaking dictator in the kitchen. And so Rap comes up with a cover story. This was pretty crazy that Rap introduces himself as. Who's the famous chef he he impersonates? Thomas Heller. Well, Thomas Heller's uh, brother. Keller. Yeah, I think from, Keller, right? He says, I'm the French Mitch Laundry. Keller. Yeah, the French Laundry chef's brother. And he's like, I actually, you know, want you to cook with me or something. Or, you know, I'm very interested in you as a chef coming to New York. And, and so he gets all distracted. And then he grabs him by the nuts. And he doubles over. <laughs> and Rap's like, oh, it's just heat stroke, everybody. We're going to take him into the freezer. Then while he's in the freezer, he freaking threatens to hang him by a meat hook <laughs> if he doesn't cooperate. It's great. Yeah. Again, these scenes are like great, but again, they're just, I don't know. It, this was the most unbelievable part to me of the book. Like that he really? can just, Why? that he can just walk into this kitchen and grab this guy by the balls and, and then put him in a, into a fridge. Like it's heat stroke. What? Well, the cover was, and they kept saying that the guy was a dick. All so no the one... staff were too afraid; they would never question. And like the staff was just trained to work, work, be worker bees, and just get yelled at. That if nobody was there yelling at them, they wouldn't know what to do. Like they would just freeze and do nothing. Yeah, uh, it was awesome. I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying that like it, it was bad. Like it, it. It's Mitch's best, you know, grabbing balls and, and shoving people on meat hooks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Jack Warch is like, shit, we've gone too far. And when they don't find any poison on the guy or any weapons, they're like, Jack Warch is freaking out. He's like, yo, we're going to have to backtrack here. We made a mistake. And 
something gives it away when the guy moves his hand in a funny way and Mitch notices something on his wrist and the guy starts squirming. The guy's like trying to, no, 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 no. And it's like a camouflaged packet of poison and a like release device that can go into the food without anybody seeing it. It's like yeah. up his sleeve. Was that like a subdermal, like underneath his skin or like something that I, I looked like know. skin? Though I was very intrigued by this. They said it blended uh, in so well, nobody in. really would have seen it. But something, I forget what, made it catch Rap's eye. I assumed it was like he put this packet of, you know, is, you, you ever gotten a Tdap test? No. Like a tetanus diphtheria? No. Well, they like, they sh- the way they do it is they, they stick okay. a needle, no, they stick a needle under your skin and then they actually inject. And so like they puff up your skin. And then, like, if it doesn't go, I don't know. Caroline can tell you better than this. Uh, she reads like sure. ten, ten of them a day or whatever. Anyways, but like, you actually see this giant bump of fluid that mm. is is on the skin. So that's what I was imagining, right? That is in like some sort of package. He could like lice this thing, and it would it would come out or something. I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking almost like a a, a ketchup, ketchup packet. packet that is like the color of his skin. <laughs> that's and, probably like, more likely. <laughs> a little needle or something. It like pokes at the end, and like as you're working, you can just squirt it out. Right. Right. But Rap makes him put it in Taj's food, and then from there, it's just a, a race. Rap follows the waiter with the plate to make sure he puts it at Taj's seat. You know, President Jutani is giving a toast. Everyone's having a good time, and all of a sudden, Taj just starts coughing and losing it. And everyone's like, oh, he's just choking on food, and they're about to move on. But he coughs up blood, and then he starts in hysterics and he falls to the ground and kicks his chair back. And then my, the best part is rap rushes to the scene and goes, I'm a medic. I'm a medic because he wants to look him in the eyes and he knows his esophagus is being torn apart by this, this acid and this poison. And Taj is trying to say, it's him, it's him, it's him. But he can't, and he can't get it out as rap is just looking at him being like, goodbye, motherfucker. Or adios, motherfucker. This reminded me of the scene where Joffrey dies in in Game of Thrones. You saw Game of Thrones, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Yeah, like I just couldn't couldn't stop thinking about that scene. um, And and not as much. Definitely, that was at the play, right? Yeah, yeah. Play going on. Not as much bloodshed, but it's also the chaos of red the red wedding. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, like this scene. So everybody just starts rushing out, and Rap confirms that Taj is dead from the poison. He got to look him in the eye and scare the wits out of him. But he also sees Carl Ferris. Right. Who's in, Ferris. in his cups. <laughs> right. And he comes, and Rap's trying to help this lady on the ground, right? Some congresswoman or something. And Ferris is like, Get me out of here. Oh my God. And he sees Rap, and he's like, It doesn't matter. You have to get me out of here. Save me. Save me. And and Rap's like, this lady's on the floor. Here's Ferris thinking, I'm going to save his ass. He's not even helping her. She's getting trampled. Grabs the fork off the table, which is what um, Greg was just talking about. This was the moment Greg from the Self-Defense Podcast told us, improvised weapon, grabs the fork, jabs it into Ferris's leg, lets him get get trampled, and carries this poor woman out of the crowd so she doesn't get hurt. That was awesome. Brilliant. That was awesome. 
And I love the line where like Irene's going over in, in post-op. She's like, apparently he got like a, a fork stabbed into it. You know, he's doing okay, except for, you know, he's got a little injury on his leg where someone stabbed him with a fork in the chaos. Oh, I can just imagine like Mitch smiling during that, you know. Oh, I, dude, you're spot on. I've got to read you this quote. And this was the epilogue. So the scenes, you know, done and dusted. And right. they're oh. out at the funeral. Yeah. I thought I thought it was crazy how, you know, Russian, 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 get all this action. And then boom, the next chapter, it's just like, boom, come down from a high, boom, right into this, right into this epilogue. Which I, I love the epilogue, yeah. but it's just, it's just like, that's how like fast paced this, the end of this novel was going. Yeah, it was totally an adrenaline drop. Like you got super hyped up. Rap stabs Ferris. There's this massive crush of people. Taj is dying. It's like the craziness of the Red Wedding. And then all of a sudden it's a, a funeral and Rap is chasing. Which of the Nash kids is Charlie, through the cemetery? Right? Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, I think it's a four-year-old. One of Rap, Nash's kids he's chasing around and they're very playful. But here's here's a quote of what Irene says to him as they're at Stan's funeral. Senator Ferris was trampled during the panic caused by Taj's poisoning, Kennedy said. Six cracked ribs, a broken wrist, and a puncture wound in his thigh. He was transferred to Bethesda, and he insists that you're responsible. That you stabbed him with a steak knife. Is that true? No. You're certain. Positive. It was a fork. (laughs) (laughs) He told the White House that you tried to kill him. I don't try to kill people, Irene. I either do it or I don't. Oh, that was awesome. That was so good. And then Irene says, the president says, if you do anything like this again, he's going to kick your ass. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And I think the last word is rap saying, like, anytime. (laughs) You could tell uh, Alexander laughing as he's saying that kind of stuff. Dude, you know what that makes me think? That little banter? The opening scene of Olympus Has Fallen, I think, is the president boxing. One of yeah. his Secret yeah, Service yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see Alexander and Mitch just sparring for fun. Because mm. he was a quarterback. He's a big dude. True. But before we get out of here, we got to talk about this funeral, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We get Stan Hurley's funeral, which not as big as Mitch thought it was going to be. Although, you know, he doesn't talk to, what, four of his wives? Uh, (laughs) no, it was two, two of his wives, four of his, his children, four of his, yeah. yeah. He's got a couple lover, lovers there. Um, they're crying the most more than anybody else. (laughs) These two South Asian women. (laughs) It was so funny. Uh, this is really the second moment of respect for Stan though, because I like to think that his wake, if you will, was earlier oh, at in the, freezer? the West Virginia safe house. <laughs> Irene. <laughs> I love, like, Mike's like, don't go in there. Like, no, don't I go need in there, to, Irene. I need, no, Irene, really, you can't see him. Like, I need it, to see Stan. I need to see him. <laughs> okay, if you insist. And there he is. Irene walks into this freezer, and Stan's body is sitting up with a cigar in one hand and a bottle of scotch in the other. <laughs> You wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Yeah. That was the first, like, tribute or honor to uh, Stan's death. Yeah, it's uh, that that was that was hilarious. I, I, I cracked up when I read that. Oh, so good. Now, that would make a great cover because we got to co- do these covers. Can you imagine 
a cadaver sitting up in a walk-in <laughs> freezer with a bottle of scotch and a smoke. <laughs> that would have, uh, I, I don't know if that one would have sold there, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been better than cover C. Yeah, would Ah, cover C. Not this not, cover C. Not this cover C. We're going to get to that. This is a good cover C. We're going to get to that. But Hot take, everybody. Hot take. Yeah, no, I think, you know, it's nice that we, we get this closure with Stan and we, we get, you know, an old priest friend. And I would have thought that more of, you know, his Intel buddies would have been there. But I guess maybe they, you know, they can't. I, he, I guess Vince, Kyle does say more people who know him but can't acknowledge that, um, they, know, yeah. that they know each other. I mean... I don't think you have to be there to honor a man like no, Stan. Not like Mitch doesn't like funerals and you know. It's very similar to this the Stansfield funeral where Right. You know, he went back to South Dakota or, or North Dakota one of the Dakotas and yeah. um was just there with his family and, and I Where is this one for Stan? I forgot. Is this one Iowa? Sounds right. I, I Oh no, Kentucky. I think Stan was from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Mm. It was somewhere middle of the country um yeah we got to verify this though just for uh oh trivia purposes i wanted to bring up there's this other little little throwaway line bowling green yeah go ahead throwaway line when taj is going through all of the files and reading a couple of them are like just the greatest hits from vince flynn's you know bringing up assets that have played a role in the stories and then one of the biggest ones is Ben Friedman is on the the payroll of the right. CIA and it was in charge of of not this payroll but you know took down the Natanz uh irate nuclear, nuclear facility. Yes. That was what separation of power? I think I'm, it was separation yeah. of power. Yeah, that was a great drop because I'm just like Man, these Rickman files are spot on. And then Rap even at one point was like, oh, yeah, I was involved in a few of these assassinations. So right. this, this is real. He's got the goods. <laughs> it's it, it was just a perfect way to bring in, you know, more history. Um, yep. You know, and I, I think it really showed that he cared. You know, he, yep. he, he fully read these books and, and picked up lines and, and tidbits and facts, and wove them in. You know, yep. it's like when... Uh, I think of it like an MCU novel, right? Or MCU movie where you have this machine and different directors that come in and then, but there they have like all these people that it's their jobs to understand continuity. Here you have one author taking over for another author and it is his sole job to not only come up with a new story that is engaging to readers, but have that continuity. And I I think that's what we have here. So I, I think the Easter eggs make this just an A plus book, like absolutely outstanding. But at the same time, you're right; it can't crack my top five, simply for the fact that there were some fillers, maybe some plot holes if you dig in deep. And last episode, I remember we had a few things that, in terms of the plot, the story, and the pacing, were we took issue with. So. I don't think it's a super complete book that's up there with the Consent to Kills, the American Assassins, the Memorial Days. But in terms of Easter eggs and the things you're doing for the fans and the callbacks and the research and the transition, 
A plus a hundred percent on all those categories. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get right to it. What's your what's your final ratings? I'm gonna go with an A minus. It's solid. It is solid. Um, it's probably top ten. Definitely not top five. But there's no way it's bottom of the pack. Like no way it's bottom third. So comfortably 10 to 15 range and when i finally write it all down it's possibly eighth ninth somewhere in there how about you yeah i i'm almost identical with you it's it's an a minus uh it gets bonus points for what what it lacks in some of like the like you said the plot holes i i I didn't buy a rickman's you know the the different we got right. in, in Rickman from Last Man and, and to now, like this whole psychoticness, but his m- motivations. But, but maybe I believe that. And then, like like we said, the the some of the th- like the Russia scenes were eh, just building up. Like the build up was so good, and then it just didn't capitalize enough to not like if 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 you were able to have all these Easter eggs and have that, this would have been like boom, right top three be, be, it, it, right so but again very good novel very good novel yeah and we've said it from the beginning in the in this episode and last very few people if nobody else on earth could have done the transition better oh um, like nobody we are in good hands with kyle and this book for doing that and pulling that off Deserves so much, even if we're not putting it in the top five, it deserves so much recognition for what it accomplishes and how genius it is. Who's your winner of the book? Kyle, Kyle, it's Kyle, 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 big winner. That's it. Mine's either, it's either Stan for getting the kill on gold with biting him in the fucking neck yeah, or I really enjoyed Marcus in the field, even though you know he's not that good in the field. Like I just, I, I, he, he's the reason that they were able to get there, even yeah. when they did get there. Um, and yeah, so it was, it's it's Stan. I mean, it's it's Kyle, really. Stan, but it, yeah, it, Kyle and Stan. It's Stan. You know, this is Stan's last yeah. novel. It's Stan's last right. novel. Right. It. Yep. Yeah, it's Stan and Kyle. There they are. If I had to add one, I'd add Jack Warch. Saves the mm. day. But um, Stan and Kyle, big time. Big time. We talked about losers as we went, you know, some nit nitpicky things that, that we found. So let's do the covers. Give it to me, Chris. What what's your gold, your silver, and your bronze? All right, this is this is a hot take. Okay. Okay. I really like cover C. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So if you're if you're under a rock or you're joining us for the first time, which I don't know why you would pick the second uh, <laughs> second pod, the second episode of The Survivor. Maybe uh, you really like Kyle Mills. <laughs> you know, forget this Vince Flynn guy. <laughs> We're jumping to the Kyle Mills podcast. <laughs> but if you've been with us since the very beginning, you you know what cover C is. And this line normally has power lines. We do not have power lines. Instead, we have what looks to be a mosque. Is is it the Hagia Sophia? It's not the Hagia Sophia. It's got to be like I, it looks like Istanbul. Yeah, it's got to be. I don't Istanbul. know for sure though, because there's so. there's that's the same sort of uh, picture we have in in D, which is my silver medal. Um, 
so I'm going to go uh, bronze with cover C, okay? Silver is cover D, which is this okay. like half black, half, you know, blue cloudiness with, with Istanbul. And then my number one's got to be A with... Uh, yeah, the OG. Which is the OG, which is, is really cool. I don't even know like what that is. I want to know um, what that building is, that tower. It looks like maybe like somewhere in Rome, somewhere like like Italian architecture. It looks like it, but spent a lot of time in Rome, and that building is not familiar. Uh, I didn't. I don't know. Just I like the sunrise. I guess it could yeah. be somewhere in DC. Um, but yeah, yeah the the big takeaway the is purple is is the purple and the yeah, orange. Yeah, the purple and the orange work really well. Yeah. Um, but cover C, it's got. I just love cover C. It's got because you could. I think you could see Mitch, you know, being over there, contemplating what he's going to do at the very end of the novel. And it's just wild to me that finally, like, someone read the novel or like knew a little bit about the plot to put it on the actual fucking cover instead of a power line. <laughs> All right, let's not go too far now because if this were consent to kill. I would give plenty of credit to cover C, but Istanbul or the Middle East, not that much happens with rap on the ground. I mean, I don't think this is Pakistan where rap actually is on the ground. Did enough of this book take place in a city that would look like that? I mean, the very beginning. So I give it credit. They read the first chapter. (laughs) (laughs) It, well, that's the cover C test. Did you at least read the first chapter before picking cover C? To figure out a, a lo- all we're looking for is a location. I still yes. will not give it the most egregious thing is, is the one in the snow with the train. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forget oh which novel that was. Goodness. A train? A in the snow. Train? And I think the novel takes place in the summer. Like... <laughs> In the Middle East, that would have been better yeah, for this one. Put a snowy train. That would have been better for this one when they go in the snow, like in Russia. Like, I can't. All right, we got to move on from cover C. Right, right. When cover C takes up more than like two minutes of airtime, I think this podcast is going off the rails. <laughs> probably, probably. All right, here's here's a couple other hot takes going on here. There's no standing man. No. Because cover B, which I think is the standing man line, is a shadow. So it's like standing shadow man. And we don't actually see the Nicolas Cage, you know, National Treasure style looking guy on the cover in action. You know, Nicolas Cage like, oh. Very true. Um, I don't think we have a, a standing man here. So, yeah. Favorite, definitely the original. That that cover A is just awesome, and I'm happy to say that's my signed copy, the Kyle Mills signed copy that I own, the nice. original R- uh, orange-purple sunrise. But for my second place, I also have a hot take. Give me some love for cover G. Look at that bad boy. Cover G is the facade of some building, which is very blocky. Uh, it's almost like a tapestry with all these different components and different architectural features, uh, the Krennels and the Merlins that Rap talked about with Anna, I mean, it's probably a very loose connection because those are not real Krennels and Merlins, but it's just a cool building. And I think it shows the complexity of Rickman's plan. 
I almost see that as like a matrix of the different components of Rickman's plan, some bulging out, some very subtle, and they all kind of work together in this tapestry of this building and the, the components of it. Well, I also maybe I'm too philosophical there. I, I like this cover because you could you if you once you've read it and you look back, it, is this like a facade of a wall in London? Is this a facade of the wall in Istanbul? Is this a facade of of a wall could in, be any in Rome? You know, like could be any. They, he is globe trotting in this novel, right? Uh, so it's great. I would do want to point out if you go up to cover J, you get a better view of that building, building. from cover A. Uh, I um, I really want to find out what this building is. It's cool. Well, Twitterverse and Facebook group friends. Anybody know the tower on cover A and J? Hit us up. You'll get a sticker. Ooh, how about that? We haven't given out a sticker in a while. Mitrap Pod sticker to anybody who identifies the building for us. I'm going to be up all night looking for that. But um, <laughs> Yeah, I got to give my last one. My third place was your second place, I think, cover D. I also like the, the sea green, foam green, blue bluish background and that awning that we're underneath looking out at these the cityscape i think pretty cool cover d so there it is as a whole not not bad covers even though some of the international ones are pretty good so yeah. a, a lot of them focus on istanbul which again is the first chapter so now that i'm thinking about it uh, i should give less credit to it that's why i only gave it bronze i didn't give it silver so that cover c would be great for consent to kill i'll leave it at that or even american assassin Yes. Anyways, this was a great book. We thank you, Kyle, you know, for giving us this and future books to come. Can't wait to talk to you soon about your latest book. Yes, let's do and, it. And uh, yeah, so next time we'll be coming to you. We're going to be giving you something a little special, a uh, character study on the one, the only, the Stan Hurley. Stan fucking Hurley. So really looking forward to talking to you about, you know, a whole hour on Stan uh, with you, Mike. That'll, that'll be fun. There's probably way more than an hour of content to talk about. We'll have to uh, try to condense it here. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, we will. As always, we need to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at MitchRapPod.com or using our Twitter or Instagram handle at MitchRapPod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster. But thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Gorilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.